Welcome to the Running After 40 podcast, the podcast about all things related to running at 40 and beyond, produced by www.runningwithgrit.com. We help you stay physically healthy and emotionally strong at any running pace. I'm Sarah, your host, and a wife, a full-time working mom with three kids, three dogs, and a lifetime passion for running. Whether you are a veteran runner looking to maximize your times as a master runner or a brand new jogger starting in your 40s, 50s, or any age, this podcast will be there for your journey. I want to share stories, secrets, and strategies for success. This includes mistakes and lessons learned, all related to running past age 40. Let's hit the play button together and hit the roads as runners with grit after age 40. Hey guys, welcome to episode 36 of the Running After Age 40 podcast. Today I'm going to talk about running and lower back pain and really discuss whether or not running is harmful to the back. Uh, this episode is sponsored by Zox, so Z-O-X dot uh, com. They are really fun bracelets that on one side have a design and then on the other side have a quote. Uh, we gave them as Christmas presents last year. I've given them a lot as birthday presents. You can really personalize them and pick out a quote that is special to someone that you care about. So if you want to save 25% off, you can use the code Sarah, all caps, 49700 at Zox.com. So uh, let's get into the science today of back pain and running. And this was really relevant to me because I sit a lot for work. Uh, I used to spend tons of time in the car. Uh, so I feel like I've got a lot of lower back issues that I have to work on. And if I do uh, the right core exercises, the right strength exercises, it definitely is a lot better. Uh, but the older I get, the, the, I guess the more pain my back is in. So I came across this article. It's in Skeletal Radiology. Uh, and it was published uh, online in September of 2021. And the title is What Happens to the Lower Lumbar Spine After Marathon Running? And it's an MRI study of first-time marathoners. So uh, the authors are out of uh, the UK and Switzerland. Uh, and really, they discuss in the introduction how there's not a lot about this. You know, you always hear about running and the knees. And there's quite a bit of data to show that running is not bad for the knees. Uh, I could get on a whole soapbox about that, but I will not. Uh, you know, and that there's a lot of uh, benefits shown for running on cardiorespiratory uh, parts of our body. Uh, but there's just not a lot about lumbar spine health and especially related to uh, vertebral disc conditions. So they discuss how during running, we have a lot of compression on that lower lobe, lower back area on the discs. Uh, so what they wanted to do was take MRIs before and after marathons and see exactly uh, what that caused. So these weren't quite your over 40 population. They were averaged in their 30s, lower 30s. They were uh, they were endurance runners, but they hadn't run a marathon before. So they had run 5K, 10K, maybe a half. Uh, and the authors do note that there was a study on Olympic athletes, and they did MRIs, uh, you know, before and after and uh, long term, and they found that there were a lot of degenerative changes. 
But as the authors state, you know, they that wasn't specific to just distance runners. Uh, and that study has gotten a lot of press, but it's really, you know, Olympic athletes usually train a little bit different than um, the, probably the people that are listening to this podcast. So anyway, their inclusion criteria, you couldn't have had any uh, contraindications to MRI. That's pretty typical. No lumbar spine injuries. So we aren't looking at people that have had problems with back pain before. So they were running the Richmond Marathon in 2019. And again, they're a little bit younger than our over 40 population. Uh, so they typically trained, uh, they did MRIs before and then after, and I'm not going to get into it like in depth about how they did the MRI cause I'm not a radiologist and, uh, but basically if they're, you know, there are different radiologists that read it, the radiologists were blinded to any of the participants clinical information and that blinded just means that they didn't know if they had any back pain or anything like that. So they all had their lumbar spine MRI scan before, and what they found was that uh, degeneration was common even in asymptomatic participants. And if you've ever heard that before, it's pretty well known that you could do an MRI of any of us that have like no back pain, and there probably would be some things, especially as we get older, that they would find. Uh, What they found is the most... uh, uh, the region that was most affected was the L4 to so the S1, uh, and uh, many of the participants had something between L4 and L5, and then L5 to S1. Uh, the back pain, I mean, it wasn't, that, that was not a reason that anyone discontinued their training or didn't complete the marathon. So I thought that was notable. Uh, and then after the race, all the marathon finishers underwent another MRI scan, uh, and what they found is that the presence of any kind of that pre-training, pre-training disc degeneration did not affect the marathon finishing time. Uh, it didn't cause any difference in their pain levels. So it wasn't like if you had any kind of pre, even if, you know, if you were asymptomatic and you didn't have, you, you showed some things on your MRI, uh, you know, that you're like, oh, well, maybe that's going to be an issue. It actually didn't cause an issue. They didn't have any more pain than people that didn't have anything on MRI. So really asymptomatic issues on MRIs mean nothing for runners uh, if, based on this smaller study. Uh, most of these people finished the marathon in about four hours and 20 minutes. Uh, let's see. Uh There weren't any differences in times in between the people that um, had uh, pre-existing issues on the MRI compared to the others. Um, Let's see if there's anything else that I wanted to point out here. Uh, There were some uh, asymptomatic incidental findings in the sacroiliac joint, which doesn't surprise me. And we can talk about that in just a second because SI joint issues, I think, are something that plague runners. Um, The... BMI changes occurred after the marathon running, um, and that was, you know, obvious with weight reductions. There were no body height reductions. Sometimes I think that, like, I think my feet have gotten bigger. I think that's common for runners, but um, obviously they didn't lose any change in height, which is good. Um, And then there were no, basically, complaints of pain or other functional limitations uh, reported by the participants. So I think this is just really good news. So if you look at these healthy participants that were training for a marathon, they ran 500 miles over four months, and then they did the marathon, and there was no adverse effect on the lower lumbar spine, 
even in the people that had degenerative changes present before starting the, uh, the training. And remember, those were pain-free people. They did have some people that had sacroiliac bone marrow edema uh, in, in the start of the study. And then two, by, in two of them, surprisingly, they actually regressed by the end. So the, the running was actually good for it. Um, let's see. Uh, the, you know, I'll just kind of highlight what the authors note as far as the discussion. Um, they talk about how it's still limited. Like this is a small study and this is pretty much one of the bigger ones that we have on the effects of lumbar spine uh, and running, or the effects of running on lumbar spine. Uh, they talk about... Uh, that that one specific study that kind of showed something on the contrary that was in Olympians, but again they train higher, and that wasn't just in uh, uh, distance runners; it was all Olympians. So you know, again, there's a lot more data on knees and running, uh, but I think this is really promising, um, and that overall, again, running 500 miles over four months and then a marathon had no adverse effects on the lower uh, lumbar spine, and there were actually some regression in issues on the sacroiliac spine. So I just wanted to point out a couple of things. So first of all, I think that unless you're like some crazy ultra runner, um, we're sitting a lot more time than we're running. And so I think that the problem with our lower backs or our, our necks is more related to sitting and the use of our phones than it is to running. And so uh, I know I've mentioned magic mobility. I definitely feel better when I do that program and I need to keep up with it. And I take uh, one thing I've really taken away from that is a lot of the issues in my lower back are related to my upper back and how um, that wasn't moving so well. So then my lower back was taking too much of an impact. Uh, so that's something that if you want to just check like you know, your side to side movement. And when you're moving from, you know, um, uh, when you're trying to turn, is your lower back turning or is your upper back? So you really want most of your mobility to be through your upper back. So check that out. A, a couple good things to do, just sit against a wall and uh, get your back flat against the wall and then do shoulder raises and see how, you know, how, what your upper mobility is like and then kind of turn to the side so you can't cheat and use your lower back. Uh, I definitely have been victim to this too because I used to, well, I still do. I like to carry my phone while I'm running. Um, but you know, using one of those running belts is really smart because even just something as light as your phone can really throw off your posture. So that's just another thing to keep uh, in mind. Um, trying to, you know, make sure we're getting older, try not to look down while you're running, uh, try to keep your, uh, your neck, uh, in parallel with your back and almost like, um, you're going to almost feel weird, like a duck, like trying to stick your neck back, but that will help. Uh, and it also will push your pelvis forward. A lot of the back pain that we have is when we start to get tired. So then our neck jets out and then our hips go backwards. And so our posture is just terrible. Uh, so again, don't carry something. Try not to look down. Um, we have an episode on the podcast about one of those standing desks. Uh, so that might be something to look into because again, I don't think the lower back pain is really related to the running as much as it is to the sitting. Uh, just make sure that you're doing your core exercises. That can help a ton. Uh, and then the other thing that's just super easy to do, and especially if you travel, like I said, the car ride's kind of rough, is just to lay on your back 
and uh, have a chair and then put your feet up in a 90 degree angle on the um, your knees kind of basically you're going to be your feet are going to be on the chair and you're going to be at a 90 degree angle and then just lay there you can look at your phone or read a book or whatever watch tv while you're doing that but if you do that for like 20 minutes it's amazing how good your back will feel so that's really it. I, I was super happy with the outcome of this article. Uh, just I think it's really reassuring uh, that, you know, even at the number of miles that it takes to complete a marathon, that there was no negative effect on uh, the back with regards to imaging. So thanks for listening and uh, I'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the Running After Age 40 podcast. If you like the show, please be sure to rate and give us a like in iTunes. Also check out our website, www.runningwithgrit.com for all things related to running over the age of 40. We have a special gift guide up for the holidays on the site designed to share stocking stuffer ideas and gifts for runners at pretty much every price. Thanks for listening.